This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Walker, and my co-host, as usual, is Kim. And today we are here with Darren Barney from Barney Brothers Off-Road and Elite Worldwide. But before we get too far into that, I want to thank our sponsors, RepairPal, for providing this episode. RepairPal is the key that unlocks more business for your repair shop. Learn more at RepairPal.com forward slash shops. Hey, Darren. Hey, Brian. Kim, how are you guys? We are great. We're very happy to be here with you today. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it, honestly. So it's a good thing. Always fun to hang out with cool people. We love getting to hang out with you, and we've gotten to hang out with you in some cool places so far. But uh, Unconventional places. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to get to know people, I believe, is getting out and actually do things in the outdoors. Just do things outside of the normal work environment, because that's when you get to see them and get to know them as people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's when friendship's made, so. With that being said, we've known Darren for several years now, but last year, he invited us to join him. And we'll get to this, but you've been bringing your whole team on this Easter Jeep Safari. So Brian and I set out on a 5,280-mile road trip in our RV and got to hang out with Darren and met his wife and kids and his team. Team. Did some some clients very fun stuff in the red Utah dry dirt and rocks. Uh, you guys are doing it again here soon. But the thing is, like you said, you really learn a lot about people when you get out of the business. So we learned some cool things about you. I think we were there for your was it your twentieth anniversary when your team gave you some some love and your humbleness and just family man, like watching you interact with your family was really special for me as a mom. So I think it's your kids really, it's like part of y'all's family culture, spending time outdoors and being together. And the fact that they obviously loved what they were doing and they wanted to be with y'all. People think it's funny that our our son's 21. He actually wants to be with us. That's not very common. You're, you're like that. I love that family culture that I was able to see and experience from hanging out with you and your family there. So thanks again for that. Yeah, thank you. I, did, I didn't expect that. I love being outside. I mean, it's just so much fun to, and the kids since the, literally from them being babies, I mean, Dylan literally being in the car seat and us going four-wheeling and all of the kids have grown up just in it. It's just whatever dad does, they're with me. I mean, if, if, I mean, literally, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, they're there. And it's just, I believe that's just how it should be. As my dad was the same way with me. If I, I always have believed this, that if you don't raise your kids, the world will. And so I'd much rather have them be with me so I can do the best I can to influence them. They're going to make their own choices. But thank you for that. I really do appreciate that. So that caught me by surprise. I didn't expect that, but thank you. It was the same with your team also, because you bring your team out every year for this event, don't you? Yeah, we actually go four-way quite often. Just like the winter jamboree that we just got back from, we normally will take some of our team with us. It's just something that, it's what we do. I enjoy going out and pushing people's limits, because that's when growth happens. When you push people in and you watch them go outside of their comfort zone, just like you guys. And it's, I can really go up that. And I never will forget walking back there. And I think it was a night run. And I'm just talking to you guys. I'm like, it's just all right. Just trust me. Just follow the line in front of you. You'll be fine. And it's, Kim, you were freaking out. Even Brian was really nervous. It's, and it's, it's okay. And that, but that growth comes when you push yourself outside that comfort zone. It was so much fun. And you get out there and you talk about pushing people to the limits. And of course, I'm a gearhead. I love seeing 
pushing the vehicles to the limits. But tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, you own this this business, Barney Brothers Off-Road. This is something that you and your brothers have been doing from the time that you were kids, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, it started, Dad had a 1946 Willys that he bought from a guy. And we literally, I can I'll never forget going and it was snowing out. And we didn't have a soft top on and dad just got this Jeep running. And so we're out driving down the railroad tracks by our old house and it's snowing. It's like literally snowing. And all of us are in jackets, all bundled up. And my dad made us a back seat in this old Willys that was made out of wood that he put vinyl on and my mom put the vinyl on. And we were sitting out there and it was literally snowing and we're driving around just, and I'm sure the neighbors, everybody thought we were crazy, but it was just, and from there it just went I mean, a lot of people have heard, heard the story, but when mom and dad agreed, that's, hey, you get your Eagle Scout award and we'll buy you a Jeep. So I got my first Jeep when I was 14, the 1977 CJ5, and I was the oldest brother. And so I got that and we spent time, all of us working on Jeeps and Saturdays, mornings and weeknights and everything else was always working on vehicles. And the same thing with my two brothers when they both got their Eagle Scouts awards and then uh, dad would buy them a Jeep. And anybody who knows anything about the mid 70s CJs, they're, they're big piles of garbage. <laughs> So we were always working on them. So we had to learn how to fix them and the right way to fix things and the wrong way to fix things. We had to learn those things the hard way. A lot of times when you didn't have money, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So it was like, well, it's a Jeep. So something would break and you're like, what can I do to fix to make this work? So we would build custom things to make parts fix because we didn't have the money to buy other parts for them. I mean, that's where it started. And yeah, just throughout the years, just continued on that road. So in high school, we joke that we actually had all of the, our friends had to offer a vehicle, scouts, whatever, and they would all come over and it was a joke about the Barney garage that you would go over and we swapped engines out. We did all kinds of stuff in my parents' garage. <laughs> we cut a hole in the drywall and we rammed a chain over the floor, over the, the floor joist, ceiling joist, and had it with a come along to pull out engines. I, it was just unreal, the stuff that we did. We enjoyed it. It was fun. It was just part of who we were. You grew up with a heck of a playground in your backyard too. Right. Thing We actually grew up on the front range. And so we don't have, now, now I'm in Grand Junction, Colorado, like Loveland, Colorado. So we didn't have what we have now. And when we moved over here, everything was just like, we really are sitting in awesomeness because we got Uray an hour and a half away. We got Moab an hour and a half away. We got everything. I mean, you can go four wheel in 15 minutes to my house. I can be on the trails wheeling. It's pretty cool now. It's really convenient where we chose to start the shop. But yeah. We're down here in flat, straight mud land. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different style of wheeling. It's stuff that we don't play much in mud out here. In fact, we all try to avoid it because mud gets up into these coilovers or anything else that you're driving and it causes squeaks and noises and all kinds of stuff. So all of us intentionally, you go out forward with them and you'll watch the whole Jeep people avoid mud holes because it's like, I don't want to get home and get that stuff up in everything and get it out of there where you guys try to find it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's I hate the mud. We're surrounded by it and people here, they love it. And it's funny because down here, when you build an off-road vehicle, they build trucks that you need a ladder to get into. They've got 58-inch tractor tires and these transfer cases that hang way down low and five-ton military axles and 1,000-horsepower engines and all that. And when they hit the mud, it's just rooster tails flying. It's, it's fun to watch. It really is fun to watch, but... I don't like the cleanup work and everything afterward. Mm -hmm. It's just miserable. But you get out there where y'all are and it's fun to see what these machines can do and what the people behind the wheel can do. But also the entire time that you're out there, you're just like in in the middle of God's art, looking at the most beautiful scenery that there is. I still remember just being jaw dropped looking at some of the expanses that we were looking at when we were out there. Yeah, it's just different. And the thing is, with the four-wheeling that we do here, it's not fast. I mean, 
but you'll see a, a Jeep literally. I was with St. George over the weekend and it's like we had this Jeep and it was sitting like on three wheels and actually two wheels because of how it was setting. And it looks like, oh my goodness, this is crazy in chaos. But if you're actually there, it was very controlled and you're talking, it was so slow. And that was the high point. And then you just continue to roll through it and everything just drops and everything is always so slow. Yes, there's times where you get into it. And of course you, you, you go fast, but majority of the time is really, it's slow. And that way it's awesome because you can be looking and actually paying attention to where you're at. It's not Baja 1000 or whatever, where you're going crazy. It's, it's slow and allows you to talk and enjoy being where you are. It's just different. But yeah, it's, it is a beautiful area. I can't wait for you guys to come down and actually go to Uray and spend some time in Uray with us because it's it's beautiful. Do you know we've been there and that's like our favorite place? So awesome. Yeah. Side story. We have a Dynamax, I say to five, RV. Okay. And apparently it's special. I didn't know this until after we got it because there's some, it's like Jeep enthusiasts. There's Dynamax enthusiasts. And so there's this Facebook group for Dynamax owners and there's a Facebook group for I say to five owners. And we were planning this other trip several years ago and we spent like a month in Colorado and come to find out the owners of the Uray Riverside Resort, I think is the name of it, Brian. Mm-hmm. They were in the same group with us and their camp, it's not a campground, RV resort. Every is campground, full. yeah, every spot in the Uray area was occupied. There was not it was a 4th of July also. Oh, yeah. yeah. 4th of July, they do. So there was not a campsite to be found. Fireworks display in the Uray is called the amphitheater area. So they do this massive fireworks. There were no campsites to be found and there's a waiting list and all of this. And short story, the owners were ordering one. It had not come in yet. They'd already ordered it, but they've never even seen one in person. So when they found out that we were in the group, they ended up somehow finding us a spot because they wanted to see RV. And so we got a spot at their place and they sent us a fire pit. They came over, had dinner with us, hung out, had some adult beverages, talked, and then they toured our um, our RV. So it was pretty spectacular. And we just love that place. Have we went back again? Was that our only trip there? No, we went back one more time. With I feel like. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So anyways. Yeah, it's a cool area. We love it so much. So Yeah, it's neat. A lot of great views up there. This love for Jeeps and all things mechanical and all that. I'm, I'm curious what your first job was. First job, paying job was building tennis courts, actually. So yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Learned a lot about building tennis courts and how everything fits together. It was, it was a great job. I did it a couple summers. It was cool. And then I was actually managed a, a Western wear store. I sold boots and stuff. I love that so much. Oh man, it was great because getting to work with people's feet. You do? You're a cowboy? Yeah. I mean, actually come from a long lineage of cowboys. My grandparents had the L07 Ranch in Meeker, which is a couple thousand acre ranch. And we spent our summers over there. Yeah. I mean, that's, we still have cattle today. I don't now, but we currently do. Yeah. We had three this last year, but I sold boots. I loved it so much because you're working with people's feet and you want to make a difference in someone's life, get them comfortable boots. Because the right shoes, boots can make their with guys that work on their feet. They will love you. They tell all their friends about you. And I actually one time sold four pair of ostrich pair boots in one day, which is they were five twenty nine a piece. And granted, this is right out of high school, right? And I was so proud of myself because I had taken care of all these farmers and ranchers for and gotten them taken care of. And they would just come in and they would just buy boots. And it was it was cool. I loved it so much because I just learned how to take care of people. Because if they're not happy, you get them in the wrong boots. 
they're mad. They come back to you and it's like, these, these don't fit. And it was a high-end boot store. And so it, I should say high-end. I mean, we catered to work on their feet. West Coast, right? To measure the foot in 72 places, we made a pair of boots. And so I really learned about taking care of people though. Because once again, if I was off on the lineman electrician boots, I mean, once, again, this was 30 years ago, but it was 72 places I had to measure that foot. Whites and Westcos are what I sold. And it's, if they were off, these guys would be unhappy. And so I really learned to take care of the details when it comes to, to boots, feet and arch and width. And I still remember all that stuff because it was so, it was really fun. Very interesting. It's home because I have a lot of foot problems from, of course, yeah. I'm one of those people that have been overweight all my life and spent 17 years working on standing on concrete and, and people don't. Of course, the people who are listening to this podcast, they do understand, but the general public doesn't understand just how much the this industry beats up your body. And it, and it really does. So tell us how Barney Brothers Off-Road came to be. Something that I always felt I wanted to do. And in fact, a buddy of mine and I looked first at starting a shop. This was literally when I was doing the, the, the boot stuff and there was an empty shop that the owner talked to me about. Anyway, we looked at doing that and I went down to the SBA with my dad and this friend of mine and we looked at getting a loan and, and things just didn't work out, but we knew it was what we wanted to do. And then my brother and I were talking and he was living in Grand Junction at the time going to school. And he says, there's a need for a four wheel drive shop. I was working at another four wheel drive shop called Fort Collins 4x4 in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I learned so many, we don't have enough time to go into all the details, but I learned from Bob and Kim Schleppy, they were the owners of this company, how to really take care of people. I, I learned a lot from the boot stuff, right? About how to, to make sure that they were happy with the product. But Bob and Kim taught me a whole different level of connecting with your customers. They're the ones who taught me about going out grilling with people. And they taught me about really asking questions. So if you came into my shop, Brian, and you said, hey, I want to build this vehicle, I'm going to ask you so many different questions to figure out exactly what you want so I can help you build the perfect vehicle. And it, it's the basics of what we do. If I build you a rock crawler that is designed to go rock crawling and then you're going to go to the desert and you're going to race, you're going to hate me because it's not going to handle well. And it vice versa. You want to do a desert race and you're going to do rock crawling. You're going to hate me because you're going to get beat the heck out of when, when you're going slow. Same thing with a daily driver. And so we learned so much about that from Bob and Kim. Anyway, long, sorry, I didn't mean to get sidetracked there, but I was working at this four-wheel drive shop in, in Fort Collins. My brother was over here working at another four-wheel drive shop and we were talking. He was going to school and he said, there's a need for a four-wheel drive shop. So I came over. We had another guy at the time that we were going to partner with. And I left Ginger over on the front range in this new house we just built. And I quit my job. and I moved over to, to Grand Junction for me to, to start this four-wheel drive shop. Ginger stayed over there because she was a school teacher. So she was waiting for her school year to finish and then sell it to move over to, uh, to Grand Junction to be with me. Worked for the guy for two weeks and he was flat broke poor money management anywhere you looked. We went to banks. Everybody laughed at us. In fact, they were all like, no, we're not going to give you guys a loan. Two young kids who don't know what you're doing. And my mom and dad, who had their house paid off at the time, they said, we believe in you guys. We will take a mortgage out on the house and we'll give you guys a hundred grand to start the business. We believe in what you're doing. And we're like, oh, okay. Mom has always been so frugal. I mean, she still is to this day. And for her to, to do that, it was like, holy cow. Mom would have been very much very frugal stuff. And for them to take that nest egg that they'd saved up to and gave us a loan was, was incredible. And so we always joke that's what's going for all those years because we couldn't let mom and dad fail. Couldn't let mom and dad lose the house or whatever. These two young kids that find yourself owners of a, a four-wheel four -wheel drive shop, were you one of those people that was just business-minded to begin with? Or was that something where you went through the school hard knocks? Yes and no. So I knew how to take care of people. A customer came in, I could take care of them. Chad knew how to fix the vehicles. Between the two of us, we had a very magical combination because 
he's very, was just gifted. Literally, he put a bicycle on a, like a lawnmower engine on a guy's bicycle once. It's just one of those things to give you an idea. He could put a cage in anything, whatever you want, Chad can do, and I could sell it. Between the two of us, yeah, of course, we had to learn lots of rules, but I had learned a lot from the people that owned the boot store because they were a small business, just like we were. And I learned a lot from our from the people, Bob and Kim Schleppi, that owned Fort Collins 4 by 4 about how to run a business and how to watch those things. What I didn't know is I didn't know anything about gross profit. I didn't know anything about any of the number stuff. I just knew that to put cost in, I knew we needed to do those things, but I didn't know. I didn't know a lot. Luckily, we, we, we doubled every year. The first year, we doubled the second year. Second year, doubled the third year, and it kept doubling, and it was crazy. We built a multi-dollar business and multi-million dollar business, and we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, honestly. And so that's when we got into coaching and, and, and hired Elite to help us because, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff here, so many stories. You're talking about 15 years of paying dues, of learning and mistakes. But yeah, it was, it was awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I do wish I could go back in time and get the coaching now at the very beginning because my life would have been entirely different. But yet, those dues of things really make you who you are. I love talking about sponsors of the podcast who have already worked with and who have used before. So today, I'm super excited to talk to you about RepairPal, which, if you didn't know, will introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com, the largest site for auto repair, and through the recommendation of their partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. Our shop was in RepairPal's certified network, and it was great for getting new customers who were looking for more than just oil changes. The average RepairPal customer spends over $600 on their first visit. I loved it, especially because we all know that consumers still mistrust repair shops. But the millions of customers that visit RepairPal.com monthly, they trust RepairPal certified shops for their high quality and great service. And there's no fear about being overcharged. So we were able to just focus on the repair. I highly recommend you check them out. It's the way to grow your business. Go to RepairPal.com forward slash shops, get one month of service free, and save $150 off certification. When Brian decided to start the shop, we laid across our bed with a little post-it note, the little bitty one, or three by three square post-it note. And that's what we thought our expenses were. Like whatever could yeah, fit on we that. We wrote post-it. everything on that on that post-it note. Mm-hmm. Which didn't include taxes and certainly not coaching and whatever. We get it. Well, you do the best you can with what you got. So let's skip forward some years and then I want to go back again. But you mentioned getting coaching from Elite. And now you're the owner of Elite. So you went from shop owner to coach to now the owner of this coaching company. So you've, you've seen a lot. You've helped, uh, you've helped other shop owners in their business. You've run a shop still to this day on a, on a shop, a successful shop. And it's not the traditional auto repair shop. We meet people every once in a while who they own the shop that I think a lot of people dream of owning one day because they love building hot rods and building Jeeps and, and stuff like that. And then they find out that they're good at it, but they end up doing or owning a business where they're just doing traditional auto repair. And I think from what I've seen and from what I've heard, it's, more, it's much more challenging to have the shop like you have because it's not something like you're not selling something that people have to have. And parts margins can be a little bit different and things like that. For the people who are listening that they may want to own a four-wheel drive shop or a hot rod shop or something like that, what is the secret to 
having a successful business like that. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's the honest answer because if you want headaches every day, you have to be wired for that. And I don't mean that in a in a bad way, but you do a lift kit on a brand new 2024 Chevy, right? 2,500 comes in and you're doing a lift kit on a vehicle that has only been lifted five times in the nation. You're going to have problems. I don't care how good the lift kit manufacturer is. We only use the best at our shop. And if you called me and and we did it, we're only going to use the best quality. I don't put garbage on vehicles because it comes back to bite you. But even the best quality kits with all in the R&E stuff in the world didn't know that this one year had quadra steer built into it or it had a weird full-time transfer case they only put in certain models. And the R&D team that worked at your lift kit company didn't know about that. You are going to have headaches. I don't care how good you think you are and how smart you are and how much you love the industry. You have to have that mindset that every day, just be prepared because you can put gears in in differentials. We do them all the time. And one, you know, guy can do gears all day long and it only takes him, you know, a couple hours to do a diff. And then all of a sudden he's got a 10 hour gear set up because things just aren't, just aren't right. And you can't get the right pattern. It's just part of, of what we do. So I shouldn't say don't do it, but it's just something that I have a lot of shop owners that have approached me and they're like, yeah, I'd love to get into more what you do. And it's cool. Just make sure you think it through because we can't just use one lip, for example, right? Let's say that Chevy example again, you came in. If you came in with a Ford, I'm going to use a different brand lift kit than one that I use for the Chevy. Even though that one company is really good with IFS Chevys, when it comes to a coil sprung Ford, I'm going to use a different kit because this kit drives better and doesn't cause any death wobble. Where if I use the kit that this brand does, there's just so much that goes into it. And it comes from doing it for years and years and years and dialing it in and going, why does this kid do this? And then it's, it's just, it's, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. I make it sound dramatic, but it's the honest truth because I've had so many people ask me, it's, I really want to do this. Cool. Just be forewarned that there's just a lot of unknowns. Every day is something new. You get a weird vibration on a brand new vehicle. You just lifted. The guy spent 70 grand on a new Jeep, brings it to you, and then you put this great lift kit on it, and all of a sudden it vibrates. And the three Jeeps you lifted before, it didn't. And you can't just call somebody and go, what, what caused this? It's You got to get underneath yourself and go, oh, wow, we actually have a defective cord in one of these brand new tires from the best tire manufacturer out there, and it's one of the cords that's bad. It's just that type of stuff where we go through, we, we call the manufacturer and then long come to find out it, it is a tire issue with a cord that's separated. What's the chance of a bad cord? Yeah, I mean, we know it happens, but what's the chance, right? But it's, that's the type of stuff you deal with all the time. If you can deal with that and then no part, there's no profit in what we do. I mean, that's why we do so much repair now too, because we had to, because guy comes in to buy a winch from me and I, you make... 10% on a winch compared to the rest of the automotive repair world. You make 55% or whatever it is you can do. 10% is really hard. Not to mention, you got to find the technicians that specialize in that stuff versus just a normal R&R tech. You tell him you're going to go and cut big chunks of the frame out to put an IFS Chevy lift kit on it. He goes, we're destroying this truck. Why would I do that? It's well, we have to, to put the subframe drop in where you remove this and blah, 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 blah. And then we're going to go and reinforce it. And it'll be stronger. But the average R&R tech freaks out. I'm not cutting the frame up on this. We can't go back. No, we can't go back. It's part of the sales process. The customer knows this. Where are you finding your specialty techs? Are you finding techs and customers on the trails? Of course. Does that ever happen? A lot of techs hunt us down because they find us because of what we do. I've had quite a few techs come to us that way where they, they looked us up and they did their research and they come to us and approach us about working for us. Even then, we still have to recruit, of course. And when we interview, we ask them very open-minded questions. It's, hey, are you okay with doing breaks on a Honda Odyssey? And then in the afternoon, you might be doing 
tube steering on a, on a buggy, or you might be adjusting whatever, doing a valve stack on, on coilovers. And so we ask a lot of questions up front because you have guys that are really hardcore techs, the ones that just love the hardcore stuff doing valve stacks, but yet they get ticked off and mad when they have to do a timing belt on a Honda Accord. And you're like, so I mean, we have to find those guys that can do both because I love the guys that want to bring their wife's Honda Odyssey to me to do all the maintenance and all the repairs and they're willing to pay for us to do it. Why would we not do it? So you got to let this, I mean, it's, it's just like anything, it's hard to find them. But so I hope that doesn't, I, I want to go back to that question because I don't ever want to say that it's not worth it to do it. It's just, you have to know, go into it with your eyes open. Because if you don't, what happens is you put these, these lift kits on and a leveling kit on, and then all of a sudden your customers are unhappy because of someone wearing tires out or all the other things that happen. And then it ends up coming to my shop or the other guys that know what they're doing to fix, or you just pull your hair out because it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know what, why is it doing this? <laughs> anyway. We are the auto repair marketing podcast just to give our our listeners a little bit of marketing here when it comes to a specialty shop because we we love working with specialty shops i was just having a conversation with jr earlier today we love marketing specialty shops and it is very different from your experience what are some of the differences that you've seen in marketing a specialty shop versus marketing just your traditional auto repair shop i really think that you got to show some of the other fun stuff that you do and get out and actually, like you guys have done for so well for us, is go out and show four-wheeling pictures and stuff. I always tell the story that the company we were using before you guys, they put a picture up of a Jeep doing a, a two-wheel stand at, a, at an obstacle, and it's sitting all the way up in the air. And they had done some editing to the photo, and they'd actually cut the control arm off with their editing software. And so anybody that knew our off-road world looked at that and was what is this? This thing's hanging there and that control arm's cut off and you can see that something's wrong here. But the people that did the editing had no clue because it's not their world where you guys would never let that fly because of the fact that you guys are live what we do, you understand that. And that to me is, was very important and instrumental with working with you guys that I wasn't going to see a post that was like, change your wiper blades. And there's, there's a need for that. But with what we do, my audience doesn't get a kick out of watching change your wiper blades unless it's like hey we get out in the mud and you got to clear your windshield and good triple wipe whatever good wiper blades are going to help out with that but anyway yeah that's one thing that was really important to us is having that specialized that you guys understand and knew what we're what we're going after what i just uh, heard you say is that you know your customers you know what they know you know what they expect and what they want to see and that is definitely a big part of that that puzzle when it comes to marketing especially a specialty shop is we always say you have to know your customer, but when you're a specialty, you really have to know your customer. Yeah, you do. You really do. When you get into the performance and off-road and all of that, one of the cool things is that your customers, they're actually happy when they come to you. Yeah, they are. Because they're getting something done that they've wanted to get done forever. Whereas in the, the world of traditional auto repair, nobody's happy that they need to do maintenance on their car. They have to fix a broken car. But when somebody is dropping off that Jeep and they're about to have that custom suspension put on, they're driving up with 29-inch tires and they're going to leave on a set of 40s. Like, they're excited. They're pumped up. And when they get there, I bet you get to see some of the biggest smiles on people's faces. It's cool. And that's where a lot of the reward for me comes from is actually going out with them and four-wheeling with them and watching them get that look just like you guys got where it's I can't believe we just did that. I can't believe we just did that. We just went up that and it's that's amazing what these things will do. And that's that's it's awesome to be able to have that reward of helping somebody do what they didn't think was possible. You're helping them scratch an itch. And that's what's so funny is for me, it was funny to me to watch Brian also because he's done it before. Like he went and did the Rubicon and we did a little bit of this in our 
earlier in our marriage, but this was just on a different level and watching him. And I don't know if he has told you that our son is coming with him to Easter Jeep Safari. Was that a secret, Brian? Was I not supposed to say that? No secret. That just happened like yesterday, the day before. And so he is going to lose his mind. Don't you embarrass because I feel like I should know this and I probably should. So I'm 50 and I forget things. But you'll bring your customers out like you did us, right? You'll almost train them on the trails. Like you were coaching us through that whole experience. But is that, what's that look like? Is that a service you offer? Is it, are are you a paid coach trail? Is it just something you're doing because you just love it? What's, you're just having a good time. We just go out because I enjoy it. There's something really for me. I can drive it. I've been driving since I was a kid. I can wheel anything. I'm not, I, I don't, it just comes from years and years and years and years of doing it. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I really get a kick out of riding in the pasture seat and walking people through stuff. I'm talking about lines and where to go. And you get that bonding of just sitting next to somebody and talking them through it. And they're like, there's no way I'm going to go that. This just happened at Winter Jamboree. We did this new trail called Papa Smurf and we dropped down into this corner and you turn this corner and you look up and it's, even I was like, and I mean, I don't mean that sound bad, but it's like, I'm like, I actually had this thought. I was like, oh crap how the heck are we going to go up that? Because it turns and it does this weird thing up and it, and it freaks you out because it's so overwhelming when you get there. But it was like, okay, yeah, no worries at all, man. We got this. Now, the guy in front of us was the trail guide. So I was like, just follow the trail guide and make sure you watch that little crack on the right there to get make sure that you get the sidewall bite. And we and I told him, I'm like, it was getting ready to rain. I'm like, we want to get up this before it rains. I mean, we just had, I did, and it's coach there. But I, I don't, I guess I get paid because I'm hanging out with cool people. I have, I have some really famous customers. I mean, big famous people that are friends of mine because I went wheeling with them. I am so proud of that. It's so cool to be able to go spend time with these guys and just get to know them. And yeah, I really, I don't know. I'd never charge to go out and go for own with customers. But then again, I don't get in the car with anybody either to be (laughs) judgmental that way. But it's one of those things, my time is very valuable and I'm not going to go sit in the car with somebody that I don't gel with and somebody that I don't like. Come with us. Sure. Of course. Totally get it. Now, Brian, that that's even more special that we were invited. So did you hear what he said? I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, you guys are awesome. Yeah, you guys are always welcome to come with us. That's why I tried to get Brian to come to Winter Jamboree with us. I think he would have just eaten it up. Even if you just come and ride, Brian, it would have been like, holy cow, this is cool. 2025. I will fly out there if I need to and do what you just said. I will ride with you. That's what I told you. We come pick you up. I mean, we've done it before. In fact, I did that a few years ago. Is I had so much stuff going on that I flew to Denver and I was over there doing training stuff. And then I actually flew to St. George and they picked me up at the airport. So he'd go spend a couple of days wheeling and stuff. And luckily my brother was there and he had his Jeep, but it was like, it worked out really well. One of the things that we really haven't talked about much is, is Elite. So tell us about Elite Worldwide and what y'all are doing there and what your plans are for it and, and all that. I feel like I owe the elite. I feel like I owe it my life because of it. It helped us out. And my goal as the owner of elite is to continue to help other shop owners that don't know about coaching. They don't know that there's an an easier and a better way. It's so important because we didn't know. I mean, I met Bob Cooper back in 1998 and the shop, I I went to a training of his afterwards, but I didn't, I didn't realize he did coaching. It's my own fault for not knowing that he did coaching, but he was great with doing sales training and business management stuff. And I really wish that I would have done that back then because once again, as I said earlier, once we got coaching, it just changed my life. My dad had cancer. He was one of my best friends. He was my business coach partner with my brothers. And I literally talked to him every day. And then he had cancer and it was a liposarcoma cancer, very aggressive cancer. He got it from Agent Orange in, in, Viet, in uh, Korea. I almost missed him passing away. My brother, Chad, went home to be with him because in Loveland and we were in, in Grand Junction and my 
my dad was really getting sick and it, and his liver was failing. And my mom and dad are like, we want to have you guys here. So Chad went over there, but the shop, we were two months out at the time. And I had my other brother working with us and we got a call about noon and he's Chad's like, Hey, you guys need to come. Dad's going to not going to make it. And we're like, no, we're okay. We got all the stuff going on. We got all this work. Anyway, he called two or three more times throughout the day. Finally at four 30, he called and he was like, you guys, I'm serious. Dad is going to die. You have to come home. So we, we had this old 88 Honda Accord and, and my brother Ryan and I piled in the car. We left Ginger at the shop. We drove the four and a half hours to get there. We got there at 1130 at night and he died at midnight. And I almost missed him passing away. And it was something that it was a churning point in my life. It's yeah, it's so great that we're busy and we're doing all this stuff, but we didn't have anything. And Elite helped us to fix that, to find the ways to to make it through. It still took years of coaching to get there and to do all those things. And we still work on it, but I want to be able to help those people out there were like me that really care about people and trying to do what's right. I want to help them to get the next steps that they need to have a good life, to enjoy freedom, to be able to do what you want to do and yet still have a good business. Too. Yeah, that's my goal. Honestly, that's my, my, one of my rocks is to continue to help those shop owners that don't know about coaching and help them. Such a powerful story. You want to give business owners, shop owners, the freedom to be able to live life and not miss those moments. And I'm seeing and hearing your passion about that and the emotion from it, but it's, gosh, the stories that we see over and over and over again in these Facebook groups about shop owners that are just burning every end and they're missing this or they're missing that. They don't take vacation. They don't get to take holidays with their families or with their kids. And life is so dang short. And, and we hear about people all the time that they work themselves to death until they retire. Brian just looked up, I think there were some stats that he was just looking up that they work, 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 and they retire. And they're too freaking tired to do anything or to be present. And their bodies fail. And yeah, they get sick and, and they, and they die very shortly after retirement. It's really true. And that's where I, I mean, elite can do that. I know because it did it for me. I'm living proof of that, that there is a better way and an easier way to go. And we can help with that. And I just want to help those guys that don't know about getting help. They don't know that all it takes is a little bit of guidance and direction to, to just make a few different turns and tweaks to make things a lot better for you. Yeah. Kim did an episode last year and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but it was about being on an island because so many of the owners that we've met, they, they feel so alone. They don't know that that better way exists. And I've been fortunate enough that we got involved with coaching fairly early. It was at a very rough point. I remember I was, I was ready. I don't have a story like, like you did. That's one of those things that like, it'll hit you upside the head so hard. Like you can never forget that. It, but even when I started getting involved in coaching, I only did about half of what they told me to do, if that. And it was when I finally, and this is honestly just been in the last few years, when we started going all in on what people who had been there and done that started telling us to do. It's like in the agency. I have a coach in my agency, Drew McClelland with Agency Management Institute. And before we specialized in auto repair, Drew was telling me, do EOS, do profit first, and you need to specialize. And we didn't do it. We halfway, we put one foot in on EOS, never did profit first. It took me forever to specialize. But at the point that we just did what he said to do, everything changed. Everything changed. And the, to the people who are out there and listening and your business controls you, like it, it runs your life instead of you running your business, get a coach. The answers are out there. 
And so many of them think that they can't afford to do it, but the turnarounds happen so quickly with the initial things that a great coach will tell you to do. And then you don't leave them once you get those things done, because that's when you start refining things and you start building. Yeah, so. But you know, there's a residual impact, a a ripple effect that happens here that we're not even talking about. And I'm just going to go back to what I mentioned in the beginning, Darren, that you said threw you off and that's the family impact of it. I know for us, our son, he watched us work through bankrupt work through bankruptcy, rebuild. And I, he's had friends tell me what he says about his parents and how he talks about us. And I know the things, the lessons that he's learned from watching our work ethic and how we handle struggles and how we communicate and talk to people and, and all of that. And that's one of the things that I think separates you and your vision, even not only for your business and your family, but for elite also is people hear that story and, and there's no way to listen to what you just said without also feeling the emotion and the empathy that you would have for shop owners and coaching them through and talking them off the ledge where people are ready to just give up, ready to close the doors. And I really appreciate you sharing that and being real about it. Oh, you just like you guys, you're paying your dues, working through bankruptcy and, and doing all that stuff because it's hard. The thing is, is that a lot of it's preventable by just getting with somebody that knows the way. We always say that people either come to us out of inspiration or desperation. And I really, I'm great working with either one, but the inspiration ones are the guys that that implement a lot quicker than the desperation. Desperation, I've been there when you're like, how the heck am I going to make payroll? I can't even pay myself. And yet I got paid and you, you don't sleep all night. And then somebody comes in and all of a sudden they pay for a job that was done a couple months ago that you had written them off and then all of a sudden things work out but those sleepless nights and having your best people quit on you all of that stuff is just part of having somebody there to be there yeah i know it's okay we got this don't worry let's come up with a plan let's get you going let's do this this and this what do you think about this and coming up with a plan to help you through it is the whole difference rather than you beating yourself up because you're still going to get hit with life it's just part of it but it's how you you dig out and work with your coach or mentor or whatever it is so yeah it's tough but anybody out there that's listening to this has an off-road shop or something that's not standard general repair, reach out to us because we can help you. Elite told me originally, this is in 2017, that they couldn't coach me because I was a specialty shop. And I often bring that back up to the team that I'm with now. I'm like, yeah, a lot of you guys told me that you couldn't help me and we can help you. We really can. We've got coaches now that specialize in the off-road stuff in power sports and these other things. If you are doing it and things are tough and, and hard, reach out to us. Not the, and the rest of you that do automotive repair, of course, will help you too. But it's just, I've been there and we have coaches that the guys that have worked with me through things can help you too. I do have an odd question. You brought that up and now it's got me thinking. Somebody just joined our Facebook group. Brian, I don't know if you even realize this. They're actually mm-hmm. from Louisiana, but do y'all help boat repair shops? Yeah, we do. We have, we have a couple of marine shops that we're working with that are extreme Spaniards singing success too. So yeah, we've worked through some of those snags and be able to help them out too. Literally today, I'm going to tell her today actually, but when this comes out, I'll send this episode to her. So Brian, you want to do this speed round? You yeah. want me to do it? Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. So book or podcast? Book. Swap or hemi swap? Oh, LS. Hey, we can keep them cool without a doubt. Yeah. Yes. You already answered this one, but rocks or mud? Oh, goodness, rocks, yeah. 
Now, Slick Rock or Boulders? Slick Rock. Slick Rock, you can go do crazy stuff on Slick Rock. And why do they call it Slick Rock? Slick Rock is not slick. Yeah, because when it gets wet, it becomes slick. Oh, okay. That's my take on it because a lot of the stuff that we do in Moab, it rains and it can get really, it can turn into fun. I mean, when it is dry, it's like you are chained to the ground. It is amazing. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's neat. Early bird or night owl? Early bird, without a doubt. Yeah. Passenger or driver? Depends on what it is. Favorite vacation destination? I'd have to say in the mountains somewhere. I don't know. I love beaches. That's a heavy one because I got a bunch of favorite spots that I like to go to. <laughs> okay. Us too. Your favorite book that you've ever read? Besides the scriptures, I'd have to say probably how to get anything you want out of life. Yep. This is, you can't even find it. It's out of print right now. I just talked about it in a, in a webinar that I did last week and I've had people trying to get a hold of it. A great book. Oh my goodness. It was written in 1923. Elise, I can't even think of her last name now. Anyway, it's, a, it's a, just an incredibly awesome book. I think the inspiration for a lot of the other ones out there, like Think and Grow Rich and everything else, because this was 1922. It was actually released in 1923. Just an incredible book. So anyway, I can't think of the name right now off the top of my head. So yeah. I'm going to have to look that one up. All right. Last one. Favorite song, artist, or musician? The Beatles, without a doubt. And I don't have a favorite song. I got way too many. I'm a musician. You guys have never heard this side of me. I actually write and record music. In fact, I got a 68 Telecaster, Paisley Telecaster reissue that I, I just love over here. I actually have seen that side of you. You have. I don't remember if it was you or if it was someone that else. That, yeah, is that cool? I have this love. Whoops. A video of you playing and singing. Yeah. Oh, I love music. I, I love to write and record. It's a big passion, but I don't do it much as much as I used to. But anyway, yeah. So, all right. Wow. So, fun how fact for sure. If someone wants to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to do that? Probably just through the email d.barney at eliteworldwide.com. Okay. Yeah, d.barney, B A R N E Y. Thank you again for being our guest. We really enjoyed this today. We enjoy hanging out with you every time that we get an opportunity to do that. And I'm looking forward to just a less, yeah, less than two months from now coming up quick hanging out some more for those of you who are listening we appreciate you being here we are one of a handful of podcasts on the aftermarket radio network you can find the rest at aftermarketradionetwork.com thank you again to our sponsor repair pal for sponsoring this podcast we hope that you'll listen in again next week and until then go fill those bays You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.